Welcome back to another session of the AP World History Podcast. Uh, this time, or this week, we're going to be looking at the age of revolution in industry. So we're going to look at the Industrial Revolution. Um, and this is roughly uh, mid-18th century to mid-19th, late-19th century. Um, and then uh, that's the first stage that we say of the Industrial Revolution. Then it continues after that, and, and we're still continuing after that. You, you might hear some things like Digital Revolution. We've got other things going on. But um, I would argue just as the agricultural revolution we saw uh, at the beginning of this class uh, uh, take or take thousands of years to actually work its course through, uh, I would say we can't say the Industrial Revolution just stopped uh, after 100 years, 150 years. It's, the process is still going, and we're still going to be seeing the effects uh, of it as we continue to uh, develop new things from this. So... Um, this is probably the second biggest event in human history. If we had to boil the human history down to a couple events, um, the first one would be that Neolithic Revolution. That's that's probably the first one, and then because uh, without that, you don't have everything else being set up. And then you have this, the Industrial Revolution. And so, over the next four podcasts, this one included, we're going to look at just what is this Industrial Revolution. Then we're going to look at how did it look in Britain and in Europe? Uh, then we're going to look at, well, then how did it look like in the U.S.? Because although we were similar and connected to them, um, we do it differently in the United States. And then um, we got Latin America as well. We're going to look at a, a difference of industrialization there. So uh, we're going to be diving through this stuff. Um, and we're going to start here with just what was the Industrial Revolution. So um, again, it begins in mid 1700s, 1750s, 1760s, and it's going to last. This first wave of it will say last until about the 1850s, and then we start seeing it change um, and morphing into the Second Industrial Revolution uh, in the late 1800s, early 1900s. Um, and and the biggest way we can see this is a population change. Just as we saw with the agricultural revolution, we went from uh, well. Uh, few hundred thousand or a few million people to to millions and millions of people um and especially in communities going from a small community to being communities of thousands of people living in cities uh we see the same thing happen here with the industrial revolution uh before it uh population is in the uh 300 millions uh in 1400 and uh 400 years later and really this is only about um actually sorry yeah 400 years later uh, when we get to 1800, um, this isn't even a, this is less than 50 years into the Industrial Revolution, we have 1 billion people. If you then look 200 years later, um, or two centuries later, into the 21st century from the 19th century, um, we're now from 1 billion to 7 billion, and that's constantly growing. Uh, so it, it leads to a huge uh, population increase. And... Uh, that's because we we control kind of uh, we we learn to master the environment to an extent like we don't control the climate and stuff like that but we're able to get more out of farming uh, we're able to uh, produce more and with that that allows us to support a larger population and because we're able to control the earth uh, better and do as we kind of will with it uh, this gets known as the Anthropocene age or the age of man and uh, this is where we really kind of dominate the world. And so this is where you see us using a lot of fossil fuels. Uh, and the one that starts this off is really coal. 
but that's going to transition when we get to the second industrial revolution to more oil and we see gasoline being the major thing there um now, because we're using fossil fuels in both of these, it's going to lead to a lot of environmental damage. But it's not just that. It's not the, the smoke coming out of that and the CO2 and all that stuff. It's uh, factories are just dumping stuff into streams and rivers. We got larger cities and there's no sewage systems to treat the, the waste. And so that just goes in the rivers. So you just see rivers getting destroyed. Um, and you see countrysides being torn up to build cities and do all that kind of stuff. So you see a lot of change, especially of the landscape and what things look like. And that's all man's doing. Um, but it's all in the, the idea of being able to create more and do more. And so we get a lot new, uh, and a lot of new tech and, and, and resources out of it. And uh, the biggest, if there's one machine that we can say defines this uh, industrial revolution, it's going to be the steam engine. Because uh, it allows us to do so much. The first thing it was used for was for mining, pumping out water out of the mines. Uh, but then they realized they could use it as an engine um, uh, or uh, connected to a cog and then use that in factories. And so factories then run off steam engines. And then you realize that you can put that on a boat and have a pedal wheel on it. And you have um, you learn that you can put it on a uh, on rails and put a locomotive there and have that turning um, gears and moving the wheels and so you get all those great things from it so it's, it's huge it's just like the combustion engine would be if we're talking about the modern era the the main thing that we're we're using now where does this happen and uh if you're wondering it happens in europe and this is now where europe finally becomes really relevant in the world of economics uh because it Previous to this, everything, if you remember, was focused on the Indian Ocean trade and really China. China dominated everything. After this, Europe is now going to be able to dominate the world uh, markets. Um, so the global economy is going to be kind of theirs. Um, now, some other regions will um, kind of move towards this. Uh, we'll see the Ottoman Empire uh, will, will start to do stuff. Um, we'll see China adopted a little bit. Um, but, but there are times of leading this innovation kind of go away and we see Europe take the helm and you can still see Europe being the major driving force in this stuff again today. Uh, China's up on a rise, India's on the rise in it, uh, but, uh, they're still, uh, far behind the, what we would say developed nations that, that started this and, and kept building off of it. Um, now, uh, let's see. So, <clears throat> The real question is, so why is it Europe? Why wasn't it one of these other areas? Like China's economy was dominated by it. Well, um, one, remember that the Europeans are rivals. They're all separated. They're all fighting for each other to get one step up, one leg up on the other, and control Europe and dominate that, that world. And so just like we saw with colonization, why'd they go out all for that stuff? Same thing as the driving force here. Who can have the better economy? Who can get everyone else to kind of kneel to them in their economic power? So that's the first thing. Uh, that leads to a lot of innovation, and so they keep copying off each other and building off each other and trying to make it better. Uh, also, the monarchs uh, for these wars that we see going on need to partner with the business leaders because if they don't do that, they're going to go bankrupt. So they actually start really supporting merchants. And if we think about China, China doesn't support the merchants. That's uh, one of the lowest classes in their in their system. And um, 
they also don't necessarily support the business people because again, lower. They like the farmers, they like the business or the bureaucrats and 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 military and stuff like that. So they they've focused on that. If we talk about other regions, um, other regions are kind of pushing against science. Um, they're not huge on manufacturing. They're focusing more on the farming and and those things. So um, Europe's Europe's ahead in that, and uh, we can also see this in that. Uh, the joint stock companies they they share um oh shoot what's the word i want to say um not responsibility but they they share shoot well um they share who's got we'll just go with responsibility um of what'll happen so if if my company goes bankrupt uh, I'm not going to be on the hook for all of it. I've got other people that are, are backing me up. So the risk—that's what I was trying to look for. They—they they share the risk. So they—they um, they share that, so they don't have to do that. So you get more innovations coming, more companies coming up, taking more risk because it's not as risky to take those risks. Whereas, whereas if it was all my money, then I'd be in trouble if if something didn't work out. And the last big thing is they are becoming the leaders in trade. Uh, we saw that with the transportation of silver and other things like that. Well, and and we saw that with the triangular trade. So they are the becoming a hub for that. They're getting lots of resources from all across the world, uh, especially from their colonies uh, that are coming into their nation. And they got to figure out what can we do with them. And they start making these manufactured goods and they start making them in factories to make them more efficient. And they uh, th that's where they really uh, benefit from everything. I mean, because they're at the center of of all the trade. And then of all those, Britain in Europe is the one that sets everything off. And that's because they've got the resources for it. They've got coal, they've got iron, and they're in the right places. Uh, they have an empire that has the resources. Um, their, their colonies, when they had uh, the, the 13 colonies in it, were bringing in resources, helping set this up. Uh, Canada has those raw materials, especially wood and lumber and stuff like that, to, to bring it there. Um, they have a, a large wool industry within their... Uh, within their kingdom. Um, so uh, that's where we're going to see things start is really in the textiles, and, and that's because of, of where the new innovations are coming. Um, also, the land, uh, which used to be worked by serfs and stuff like that, and the serfdom is abolished, and the land is being bought up by the wealthy landowners or by the, the upper classes, um, and that's because new machines are coming out there, um, like uh, Jethro Tull's seed drill and the and um, plows and 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 other things that are that are making it more efficient. And so with that, uh, you don't need as many people to work the land. So now these farmers lose their land and they got to find somewhere and they start moving to the cities. And so they got this excess labor. And because of that, um, because there's excess labor, they can pay the the workers really cheaply. Uh, but they can also survive because there's more food there, and so that food got cheaper, and so that allows all that to happen. Uh, again, government was encouraging uh, merchants and, and business leaders to, to do stuff. Uh, they protected them with tariffs. They built roads and canals to connect the major regions together, and um, the religious freedom and the Protestantism there really pushed for uh, developing kind of capitalism. And... Um, they also were, were one of the scenes of the developments of the scientific revolution, or they were open to a lot of the ideas. So we see their scientists, um, uh, scientists coming there, or, or that you see them adapting ideas of the scientists and using it in their, uh, in in Britain. 
And I already mentioned the coal. Let's see. That's that's about everything there for this first one here. So Britain is the the hub of it. Um, and uh, from Britain, then we'll see it go to the rest of Europe. So next up, we're going to look at, well, what, what did this actually look like for the people living during the time? 